This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon and welcome to Talking Travel for our sponsor, Travel World on King. This is Deb Austin and it's a very big hello to Sally Lucas. Good morning, good afternoon, should I say, yes. Deb. How's your week been, Sally? It's been a good week. Fantastic. And this week we're going to the Kimberley and joining us today to enlighten us a little bit more is Craig Brown from APT Touring. Welcome to the program, Craig. Uh, thank you, Sally and Deb. Great, Craig. Now, the Kimberley is such a special, special part of Australia, and I've only been fortunate to have a small glimpse of it because um, I have my son based in Kununurra flying for Alligator Airways, and I think he actually flew some of your clients down to the bungles, etc. So um, I do know a little bit about it, but I know you're going to know a heck of a lot more than me because I've really only done around Kununurra and Lake Argyle or River, which was fantastic. So you can just fill me in now on some of the other wonderful places that a typical itinerary would cover if you go to the Kimberley for a couple of weeks, say. Okay, sure. Um, basically, the Kimberley is uh, 420,000 square uh, kilometres in radius, which is about 20 times the size of uh, Kakadu National Park. Um, and Kununurra is at one end of the Kimberley, and the other end, of course, is Broome. And between Broome and Kununurra, there are many, many highlights, I guess, to be seen throughout that region. There are two, we like to, I like to refer to them anyway, as two, I guess, diamonds. Uh, or jewels within the, the Kimberley region, and that's the Bungle Bungle Range in uh, the World Heritage Pernalulu National Park, and of course the uh, four-tiered Mitchell Falls up at uh, the Mitchell Plateau. So these are two main highlights I see uh, when you're travelling through the Kimberley region. Um, I often say to people, you know, tourists that come to Sydney, always go and see the Opera House. If you go to visit the Kimberley region, they are two destinations that are a must-see. Um, and a third one would probably be the Ord River, which runs uh, just out of Kununurra. I would agree with that totally. And the other thing I must say, Craig, is whether it be Kakadu or the Kimberley or any of these wonderful, vast expanses of this fantastic landscape, you really do need to do a flight over them. I always recommend to, to clients that to get the immensity, and of course the bungles are so incredible with their striping and their beehive shape that, I mean, you, you just don't get the, the whole idea, do you, from just the ground only? No, you don't. Um, I guess from the ground only, you certainly see the, the different uh, uh, vegetation and how that changes and, and the red rock up against the blue sky. But when you do it by air, you just see how massive the range is um, and how big and sparse the, the, big country, the countryside is. And just seeing the, the bungles from the air, and I've flown and done that a couple of times myself, and same with the Mitchell Plateau, mm. um, it is just awe-inspiring to see, um, to see it from the air. Um, and up there, you know, you can do it by a light aircraft, by plane, or you can even do it by chopper, with, you know, and the choppers have no door on, so you actually really feel like you... Uh, seat belted, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> seat belt. I can't afford the door, but there is a seat belt. Yeah, that's fine. No, it is fantastic. And I know, as I said, I've seen many beautiful photos of that area. And as I said, even though I've only just seen such a touch, I can't wait to spend more time there myself. And also there's some wonderful um, accommodation places have popped up in that area now with, you know, wilderness camp. And we all have heard about El Cuestro, but of course we've got so many other beautiful places like, you know, Faraway Bay and Home, Home Valley Station and wilderness camp. So we've got a great range of accommodation in the Kimberley now, haven't we? We have, and, there, and you know, it really is. There are accommodations throughout the Kimberleys there to suit everybody's needs. Whether 
you know, you, you want to rough it and put up your own tent every night, there's facilities to be able to do, to do that. You're able to stay on stations and, and really experience the station stays and how they live out there in the Kimberley and, you know, and get to deal with some of the local people there and some of the stories and that, that they would share with you while you're travelling through that area is just uh, quite amazing. So... Yeah, different levels of accommodation from, uh, yeah, the camps up to four-star hotels. That's right. And even some of the campsites now, as we said, that's more like luxury tenting, isn't it? Because yeah, like, yeah. they're like pre-erected little tents, villages yep. type of thing. Yep, so. yep. We, yep. There are, we have four of our own uh, camps and lodges that are situated through the Kimberley that are permanent tented facilities that you you arrive and the tents are there ready set up and hot showers and, and the like. The interesting thing I was reading about the Kimberley when I was just researching a little, Craig, was in an article that said it's, I forget how many times the size of Germany is, but that was one, and they said the amount of autobahns and roads in Germany, yet the Kimberley still only has one major sealed road going through an area that's probably four times, or three or four times the size of Germany. Yes, yeah, the Gibb River Road. The Gibb River Road, that's uh, yeah, right, which is which quite is, amazing, isn't it? It is. It's known as the Outback Highway, and it's 643 kilometres or thereabouts <laughs> in length and travels from Derby through to, to Kununurra. And it's one of those roads in Australia that uh, people uh, like to be able to get out there and say, yep, I've travelled the, the Gibb River Road. Yes, I know. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? And they yeah. say now it's just amazing how many people are travelling to the Kimberley. And when you think the bungles really were discovered not that long ago as well. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, the, the bungles were only discovered back in the, the 1980s, I think it was, when they were listed as World Heritage and, right. uh, and discovered. Um, and yet the amount of traffic, there's just more and more people travelling up to the Kimberley uh, region each year. It's uh, certainly for the last couple of years been the hot spot and, and still is the hot spot in Australia where people want to go uh, and explore and I just think it's because of the beauty, the sheer beauty of it and the uh, remoteness of it and just um, every time I, I go up there and I travel up there a couple of times a year um, I just come away going it is just amazing yeah. Yeah, it's just there. Fantastic. Well, we might talk about that and talk about the impact maybe on, on ecotourism when we chat in the next segment, Craig. Look forward to it. Uh, Craig, I just, before we do go to the break, I think also that the movie Australia and Nicole Kidman had, must have a huge influence because the countryside was just projected in such a beautiful way. Um, yes, it did. And I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes mm. to just how remote um, and how widespread the, the Kimberley region is, and, and you know, people that I guess live in the, the city and, and the east, eastern uh, states of Australia, you know, see the cities and, and forget that you know over that west how remote it, it really is. Indeed, we are speaking today to Craig Brown from APT Touring, and we've been hearing about the wonders of the Kimberley. Craig, yes. Now, I just thought I'd mention this that. As you said before, it's quite an isolated frontier and, of course, it's a remote area and requires specialist local knowledge as well. And I guess that this has to be taken into consideration when you were, you and other companies have been in there, you know, erecting these uh, tent, little tent villages or wilderness camps. And I guess all this, you're saying that, you know, with ecotourism now, we really have to be very careful about what footprints we leave or, as they say, we shouldn't tread carefully and not leave any footprints behind. Yeah, exactly right. Um, when you are establishing, you know, camps and lodges, and any operator that would be looking to do that, or has been through that, uh, or has set up those kind of establishments, the very strict guidelines that you need to follow um, through the authorities um, in relation to, you know, what you use as far as your building tools, through to uh, the positioning of of your lodges and camps, 
And it even goes down to uh, fine detail as to what sort of food that you may serve so that, you know, making sure that the food that you do serve, not only is it healthy, but it also, you know, it's not a lot of going, not going to be able to leave a lot of bones and scraps around for vernum, vernum to get. Yes. And also down to, you know, the shampoos and conditioners that you use on your hair and so forth to make sure that they break down and are um, also very environmentally friendly. It's wonderful to think that we are eventually getting on the bandwagon with this with ecotourism, though, so we can still protect this wonderful country of ours, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. We definitely need to protect it and, uh, you know, all these steps that are put into place certainly go a long way to uh, to achieving that and even to the, the point of, you know, maximising the number of people that... Uh, Tour operators are allowed, not allowed to, but they maximise the number of people that they, they take in yes. sort of each tour, sort of looking at groups of no more than 20 people so that, you know, there's not, you know... A busload of 40 a people. A busload of 40 mm. people getting through and, and, and travelling through the area. No, I think that's fantastic. And it's nice to travel in small groups anyway. It's far more personal and you make some wonderful um, friendships, I think, often through that sort of small group touring. Oh, definitely. And you also, as you said, get a bit more of a personalised service. And it also allows you to be a bit more relaxed um, when you are travelling through the region. I mean, there are so many icons to see as you travel through. The smaller the group is, the easier it is to get um, on and off a vehicle. Um, And they're four-wheel drive vehicles, so it's easy to get on and off them. And you're able to spend more time uh, looking at the site. And that's the whole idea, of course. And, of course, some of the wonderful sites we haven't really touched on very much yet, though, is the Aboriginal art. Uh, yes, and, and there's two types of Aboriginal art through the Kimberley region. There's the, the Guion and Bradshaw rock arts, um, and the Winjana rock art, which is up throughout, scattered up throughout the Kimberley region, um, on the way up really to the Mitchell Plateau. And, um, it's good to be able to see that, uh, rock art and get, and gain an understanding of, of what it's all about. And again, when you're in your small group, you've, your driver and guide have got the time to, to explain the history of the rock art and what it means and, and what it does for the area. Yes, and I think, as you say, there's some just wonderful, even just looking at some of the wonderful images um, in brochures, you know, you do, it's, it's the beauty of the area with the starkness of the colours, as you say, the, the clarity of the sky and the, and the red rocks and the stratas, even at the bungles with your black stripes through this wonderful red rock. I mean, and then you, when, even when I flew over, you're looking down sometimes when they, you know, dip the wing into these incredibly... Uh, steep chasms or gorges even within the bungles so I imagine that would be the same flying over the Mitchell Falls. Oh absolutely and the uh, it's hard to explain to people and you know people will see images and they'll see the really really blue sky and the really red rock and and the detail in the Aboriginal rock art and it's that's how it is I mean the sky is that blue up there and it's just just amazing. Yes the photos definitely aren't touched up are they? No they're not touched up at all and that you know uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's just absolutely uh, awe-inspiring. We might just mention to climate, um, to give people an idea what climate's like, and of course we all know the top end has a huge wet, which runs from roughly the build-up in November through to probably around March, April. But I've been at Kakadu at the end of the wet, and I must say I thought that was a brilliant time to go because all the water's flowing and all your, you know, all your billabongs are full, whereas if you go in the dry, I guess you miss that spectacular vision of these waterfalls spilling down. Um, what would you suggest to people with, with climate and time of year to travel? Well, I think the best time to travel through the Kimberley is uh, June, July, August. Mm-hmm. Um, the East Coast has its winter, and, and, so it's, and the West Coast um, during that time of year is very pleasant days, clear skies and, you know, sort of a mid low low to mid 30s mm-hmm. and the nights cool down as well so it's a very pleasant sort of for sleeping and it's warm enough during the day 
for swimming and all the water will still be running June, July, August. Once you get into the later part of the season, sort of September, October, it does start to heat up, yes. up a lot um, and become a little bit more humid. But, you know, again, the waterfalls will still be flying. Generally. Oh, great. If they have a good wet season, they will flow. They will still flow. Um, because the touring season for the Kimberley is April through to October and they will flow that whole year if they have a good uh, wet season. Good wet season. Well, Craig, that's fantastic. It's been wonderful having you on board today. And, I mean, we really could go and talk a lot longer, but I guess we've just wound up our time today. But sure. thank you again very much for just helping us through this Kimberley region and hopefully it'll let people know out there what a wonderful part of Australia they really should visit if they haven't already done so. So thanks again. Thanks very much, Sally and Deb. Thank you. That's Talking Travel this week for our sponsor, Travel World on King. Thanks, Sal. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Deb. And we'll be back next week after the 1 o'clock news for more great travel ideas right here on 2NURFM 103.7.